Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. You've worked hard for what you have. Your money, your assets, your 401k, and home. Isn't it all worth protecting? Nearly one in four consumers have been a victim of identity theft. LifeLock Ultimate Plus helps protect your finances with up to $3 million in reimbursement. LifeLock alerts you to identity threats you might miss. And if your identity is stolen, your dedicated U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. Let LifeLock help protect what you've worked so hard for. Save 25% off your first year on LifeLock Ultimate Plus at LifeLock.com slash aware. Terms apply. Chapter 11 of Little Women. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by David Jakeway. Little Women by Louisa May Alcott. Chapter 11. Experiments. The first of June. The kings are off to the seashore tomorrow, and I'm free. Three months vacation, how I shall enjoy it, exclaimed Meg, coming home one warm day to find Joe laid upon the sofa in an unusual state of exhaustion, while Beth took off her dusty boots and Amy made lemonade for the refreshment of the whole party. Aunt March went today, for which, oh, be joyful, said Joe. I was mortally afraid she'd ask me to go with her. If she had, I should have felt as if I ought to do it, but Plumfield is about as gay as a churchyard, you know, and I'd rather be excused. We had a flurry getting the old lady off, and I had a fright every time she spoke to me, for I was in such a hurry to be through that I was uncommonly helpful and sweet, and feared she'd find it impossible to part from me. I quaked till she was fairly in the carriage, and had a final fright, for as it drove off she popped out her head, saying, "'Josephine, won't you—' I didn't hear any more, for I basely turned and fled. I did actually run and whisk round the corner where I felt safe.' "'Poor old Joe. She came in looking as if bears were after her,' said Beth, as she cuddled her sister's feet with a motherly air. "'Aunt March is a regular samphire, is she not?' observed Amy, tasting her mixture critically. "'She means vampire, not seaweed, but it doesn't matter. It's too warm to be particular about one's parts of speech,' murmured Joe. "'What shall you do all your vacation?' asked Amy, changing the subject with tact. "'I shall lie abed late and do nothing,' replied Meg." from the depths of the rocking-chair. I've been routed up early all winter and had to spend my days working for other people, so now I'm going to rest and revel to my heart's content. No, said Joe, that dozy way wouldn't suit me. I've laid in a heap of books, and I'm going to improve my shining hours reading on my perch in the old apple tree, when I'm not having... Don't say larks, implored Amy, as a return snub for the samphire correction. I'll say nightingales, then, with Laurie. That's proper and appropriate, since he's a warbler. Don't let us do any lessons, Beth, for a while, but play all the time and rest, as the girls mean to, proposed Amy. Well, I will if Mother doesn't mind. I want to learn some new songs, and my children need fitting up for the summer. They are dreadfully out of order and really suffering for clothes. May we, Mother? asked Meg, turning to Mrs. March, who sat sewing in what they called Marmy's Corner. You may try your experiment for a week and see how you like it. I think by Saturday night you will find that all play and no work is as bad as all work and no play. 
Oh, dear, no, it will be delicious, I am sure, said Meg complacently. I now propose a toast, as my friend and partner, Sari Gamp, says. Fun forever and no grubbing, cried Joe, rising, glass in hand, as the lemonade went round. They all drank it merrily and began the experiment by lounging for the rest of the day. Next morning, Meg did not appear till ten o'clock. Her solitary breakfast did not taste good, and the room seemed lonely and untidy, for Joe had not filled the vases, Beth had not dusted, and Amy's books lay scattered about. Nothing was neat and pleasant but Marmy's corner, which looked as usual. And there Meg sat, to rest and read, which meant to yawn and imagine what pretty summer dresses she would get with her salary. Joe spent the morning on the river with Laurie in the afternoon reading and crying over the wide, wide world up in the apple tree. Beth began by rummaging everything out of the big closet where her family resided, but getting tired before half done, she left her establishment topsy-turvy and went to her music, rejoicing that she had no dishes to wash. Amy arranged her bower, put on her best white frock, smoothed her curls, and sat down to draw under the honeysuckle, hoping someone would see and inquire who the young artist was. As no one appeared but an inquisitive Daddy Longlegs, who examined her work with interest, she went to walk, got caught in a shower, and came home dripping. At tea-time they compared notes, and all agreed that it had been a delightful, though unusually long, day. Meg, who went shopping in the afternoon and got a sweet blue muslin, had discovered, after she had cut the breaths off, that it wouldn't wash, which mishap made her slightly cross. Joe had burned the skin off her nose boating and got a raging headache by reading too long. Beth was worried by the confusion of her closet and the difficulty of learning three or four songs at once, and Amy deeply regretted the damage done her frock, for Katie Brown's party was to be the next day, and now, like Flora McFlimsy, she had nothing to wear. But these were mere trifles, and they assured their mother that the experiment was working finely. She smiled, said nothing, and with Hannah's help did their neglected work, keeping home pleasant and the domestic machinery running smoothly. It was astonishing what a peculiar and uncomfortable state of things was produced by the resting and reveling process. The days kept getting longer and longer, the weather was unusually variable, and so were tempers, an unsettled feeling possessed everyone, and Satan found plenty of mischief for the idle hands to do. As the height of luxury, Meg put out some of her sewing, and then found time hang so heavily that she fell to snipping and spoiling her clothes in attempts to furbish them up a la Moffat. Joe read till her eyes gave out, and she was sick of books, got so fidgety that even good-natured Laurie had a quarrel with her, and so reduced in spirits that she desperately wished she had gone with Aunt March. Beth got on pretty well, for she was constantly forgetting that it was to be all play and no work, and fell back into her old ways now and then. But something in the air affected her, and more than once her tranquillity was much disturbed, so much so that on one occasion she actually shook poor dear Joanna and told her that she was a fright. Amy feared worst of all, for her resources were small, and when her sisters left her to amuse herself, she soon found that accomplished and important little self a great burden. She didn't like dolls, fairy tales were childish, and one couldn't draw all the time. Tea parties didn't amount to much, neither did picnics, unless very well conducted. If one could have a fine house full of nice girls or go traveling, the summer would be delightful, but to stay at home with three selfish sisters and a grown-up boy was enough to try the patience of a Boaz, complained Miss Malaprop, after several days devoted to pleasure, fretting, and ennui.
No one would own that they were tired of the experiment, but by Friday night each acknowledged to herself that she was glad the week was nearly done. Hoping to impress the lesson more deeply, Mrs. March, who had a good deal of humor, resolved to finish off the trial in an appropriate manner, so she gave Hannah a holiday and let the girls enjoy the full effect of the play system. When they got up on Saturday morning there was no fire in the kitchen, no breakfast in the dining room, and no mother anywhere to be seen. "'Mercy on us! What has happened?' cried Joe, staring about her in dismay. Meg ran upstairs and soon came back again, looking relieved but rather bewildered and a little ashamed. "'Mother isn't sick, only very tired, and she says she is going to stay quietly in her room all day and let us do the best we can. It is a very queer thing for her to do. She doesn't act a bit like herself. But she says it has been a hard week for her, so we mustn't grumble but take care of ourselves.' "'That's easy enough, and I like the idea. I'm aching for something to do. That is, some new amusement, you know,' added Joe quickly. In fact, it was an immense relief to them all to have a little work, and they took hold with a will, but soon realized the truth of Hannah's saying, "'Housekeeping ain't no joke.' There was plenty of food in the larder, and while Beth and Amy set the table, Meg and Joe got breakfast, wondering as they did why servants ever talked about hard work.' I shall take some up to mother, though she said we were not to think of her, for she'd take care of herself, said Meg, who presided and felt quite matronly behind the teapot. So a tray was fitted out before any one began, and taken up with the cook's compliments. The boiled tea was very bitter, the omelette scorched, and the biscuits speckled with salaritus, but Mrs. March received her repast with thanks, and laughed heartily over it after Joe was gone. "'Poor little souls, they will have a hard time, I'm afraid, "'but they won't suffer, and it will do them good,' she said, "'producing the more palatable vines with which she had provided herself, "'and disposing of the bad breakfast, so that their feelings might not be hurt, "'a motherly little deception for which they were grateful. "'Many were the complaints below, and great the chagrin of the head cook at her failures. "'Never mind, I'll get the dinner and be servant. "'You be mistress, keep your hands nice, see company, and give orders,' said Joe, who knew still less than Meg about culinary affairs. This obliging offer was gladly accepted, and Margaret retired to the parlor, which she hastily put in order by whisking the litter under the sofa and shutting the blinds to save the trouble of dusting. Joe, with perfect faith in her own powers and a friendly desire to make up the quarrel, immediately put a note in the office, inviting Laurie to dinner. "'You'd better see what you have got before you think of having company,' said Meg, when informed of the hospitable but rash act. "'Oh, there's corned beef and plenty of potatoes, and I shall get some asparagus and a lobster, for a relish, as Hannah says. "'We'll have lettuce and make a salad. I don't know how, but the book tells. "'I'll have blancmange and strawberries for dessert, and coffee, too, if you want to be elegant. "'Don't try too many messes, Joe, for you can't make anything but gingerbread and molasses candy fit to eat. "'I wash my hands of the dinner party, and since you have asked Laurie on your own responsibility, you may just take care of him.' "'I don't want you to do anything but be civil to him and help to the pudding. "'You'll give me your advice if I get in a muddle, won't you?' asked Joe, rather hurt. "'Yes, but I don't know much, except about bread and a few trifles. "'You had better ask Mother's leave before you order anything,' returned Meg prudently. "'Of course I shall. I'm not a fool.' "'And Joe went off in a huff at the doubts expressed of her powers. "'Get what you like and don't disturb me. "'I'm going out to dinner and can't worry about things at home,' said Mrs. March when Joe spoke to her. I never enjoyed housekeeping, and I am going to take a vacation today, and read, write, go visiting, and amuse myself. 
The unusual spectacle of her busy mother rocking comfortably and reading early in the morning made Joe feel as if some unnatural phenomenon had occurred, for an eclipse, an earthquake, or a volcanic eruption would hardly have seemed stranger. Everything is out of sorts somehow, she said to herself going downstairs. There's Beth crying. That lucky Land Casino, asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Purchase new wiper blades from O'Reilly Auto Parts today and we'll install them for free. See better and drive safer with O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto 